Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Terry with the podcast Digging Through Dominoes, where we look at those dominoes of our life, cast out the ones that have messed us up, and draw some new ones so we can have a better, brighter future. Today's guest is one of my favorite people in the world, Vanessa Grace of the podcast Soul Amplified. You are going to love her and the conversation we had. I'm still going from it. It was freaking amazing. So why don't we just jump right in? Hi, everyone. This is Terry, and I want you to welcome our fabulous guest, my friend, Vanessa Grace. She's amazing. She is a former therapist. And get this, I hope you love this term as much as I do, a radiance coach. I think that's so amazing, Vanessa. I love that term. I've never heard it until I saw it on your Instagram. Well, that's because I, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the way, that's, that's the best. That's the way things happen. Yeah. So you said I was a former therapist, truth, but I was also a codependency coach for a while and while I was a therapist, but then also after I was a therapist. And then, I, you know, we go through periods of evolution and I was going through this period of evolution where I, I'm still very passionate about educating about codependency, but it didn't feel aligned with where I was in my life and what I felt I was supposed to be doing with my business. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this period of kind of not knowing what I was doing. And I had been doing a lot of inner work with the divine feminine mm -hmm. and understanding the female menstrual cycle and all of the different phases of it and a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things with the divine feminine is that if you're really um, engaging with the divine feminine and living in that way, when you are feeling optimal, you feel radiant as a feminine person. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I want to be that radiance for myself, but also for other people as an example of stepping into their divine feminine. And there's so many people who are craving the feminine, whether they're, you know, somewhere on the queer spectrum, what, you know, how, whatever that self-defined way is, right. or identify as cis straight female. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many people that are craving the divine feminine. And, you know, I'm just another one of the people that's bringing it to the world. And I had actually written down on a piece of paper and put it on my desk. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could call myself a radiance coach? Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, I can't call myself that. I don't feel radiant all the time. I don't know enough. But you I'm all self-taught. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm self-taught. I just read a lot of books I and practice it myself. But no one, I've never actually um, like gone to another person who knows things. Who am I to call myself a radiance coach? But then something happened inside of me and I thought, who am I not to just claim that for myself? Right. Why can't I just call myself a radiance coach? And I was like, bitch, get it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just was like, almost like proving to myself that I knew what a radiance coach was. And I was like, well, what do I think that is? And I started writing it down to just answer my own question. And I ended up writing like three pages front and back. And I was like, oh, apparently I do know what I think a radiance coach right. is and what in the world I would do with people um, right. to help them with their own radiance and their own divine feminine. So I think I, I, think I got this. <laughs> 
you know that that's so true it's so so many of us don't know ourselves because of things we've been through and yes. so we take on the labels that other people have given us and i think what you did when you wrote that down and then it just flowed freely yeah bing you got it yeah. i bet you're the only one in the world I actually am not because, really? of course, while I was pondering it, I did a little Instagram hashtag search and there is like one or two other people out there that have used that hashtag. Uh -huh. But literally, I only found a couple other people. And it's it's not that other people don't, aren't also doing things in the realm of divine feminine and women's um, learning about women's cycles and everything. But yeah, there weren't a lot of people who were calling themselves a radiance coach. So it does feel pretty cool to just have come up with it and have it feel so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yep. love it. I just self invention. Every time I see it on Facebook, not on Facebook, on Instagram, it's just such a inspiring. It, it feel it feels like I feel this may be really stupid. But when I <laughs> went to Rose Festival, I love the midway part the carnival rides and the city yeah. fair i like the electric charge of all of the different lights and the sounds and just the vibe yes so that's it sounds, what i feel like for mm, me it sounds like life is flowing through you and there's a lot of positivity and bliss and joy in that moment right yeah and i think that's what radiance does feel like in like the positive end of the spectrum of it. Okay, so let me ask you a question and this may be mm -hmm. really dumb. So I bought a motorcycle. I bought my first motorcycle in 2005. I got my second big one in 2006. And I loved riding so much. Let's see how old would I have been? I was 44. And I've wondered this when I see your Instagram posts. I went to my gynecologist who happened to be a very good friend of ours. I'm like, oh, it hurt, it hurt. This is so terrible, I hate this because I didn't want my motorcycle trips interrupted. Can I, it hurt. can I please have a hysterectomy, please? He's like, okay, I'm gonna put it down, but I know what you're doing. <laughs> so do I still count? Because you, do, so did you have the surgery? Uh-huh. A yes. partial hist. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean, do you still count as being in your divine feminine? Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Because I, so yeah, go ahead. Um, divine feminine is an energy just a, and then the counterpart to that is the divine masculine, mm -hmm. but these energies aren't necessarily male and female. They just tend to, um, like female, people born with wombs and uteruses tend to have a core essence that is feminine, mm -hmm. the feminine energy and people born with testes and penises tend to have alignment with masculine energy as their core essence. Mm -hmm. But we have both of them inside of us. Right. And core essence is relevant and important because that's the energy that you, you feel restored when you're in that vibe. Mm -hmm. and you feel replenished and, and refilled. But um, having the hysterectomy surgery doesn't like make you a eunuch or something. 
Okay. Um, it's really about what you're embodying. It could create a feeling of disconnection with one's body because part of the feminine genitalia organs are missing. Um, but that's an individual experience. For some people, it could be very empowering. But in all honesty, I haven't had a lot of conversations with women uh, that, who have had hysterectomies and we're specifically talking about that. So mm -hmm. it's not like I have a wide um, array of people that I've talked to to speak to about it. And I still have my uterus. So right. like, I don't have a personal experience with that. Okay. But no, if you're definitely still can access, access the divine feminine, um and be feminine well i think i'm pretty much on the feminine scale of things yeah and i love the feminine feel and the elegance and the grace and the radiance and the i love all of that but <clears throat> i have to tell you my hysterectomy for me was so empowering for a couple of reasons one i was free to ride my motorcycle wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, which was a huge form of therapy for me, made me mm -hmm. feel free. It gave me this peace I've never felt before. Mm. And I, since I had adopted and raised so many kids, I was having nightmares about getting pregnant. Mm. Wow. And it was horrible. And I mean, it was to the point I would I love little toddlers. We have a precious toddler across the street, but I would think, oh my God, I am so glad that is that kid's not mine because mm -hmm. of everything, which is a story in itself. Mm -hmm. Well, but yeah, it we so talked about it a little bit. To not have that overwhelming fear mm -hmm. and also the feeling of being stuck. So for me, it was the right move. So it's I'm important to know why it's important to you or you know not important to you whenever you're having uh, a gynecological experience you know or there might be a surgery that's an option mm -hmm. um when i speak to people i mean sometimes there's not a lot of options given it's like well this is the only medical option that we have for right. whatever the circumstances but if a person is willing to venture into alternative medicine or venture into um what is it called functional medicine mm -hmm. there can be like a wider variety of options right i'm really into looking at the variety of options because they've certainly helped me in my life mm -hmm. and there's actually more education i feel like that happens like i learned a lot more about the female body from looking at alternative medicine than western medicine was ever able to teach me oh yeah 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 i'm fortunate in that most of my doctors don't they don't really follow western medicine interesting most of their philosophies and their treatments come from eastern medicines and european studies which are not for profit the way yeah, they are in america done. we don't have big pharma hanging over it so i feel that i've gotten the best of both but when i went in and spoke to my my primary about HRT, purely for vanity reasons, she referred me to a naturopath because she didn't deal with that. And I thought, well, that kind of sucks. But in reality, it didn't. Yeah. It was good. It's just who you've got to find the right specialist. So I'm tell glad me that more she... about, I'm sorry. 
I'm glad that she referred you to somebody yes that was like that you had a good referral that's important it's so important you know I remember one of my doctors I went in I had this problem with my knee is I had been seeing him for 25 years we had a great relationship great friendship and I went in I had this torn ligament and the first thing he said to me instead of referring me to someone was what do you want me to do cut it off like wow bye I don't care if yeah. you're having a bad day, but we have this 25 year relationship that's been pretty good. I'm leaving. So yeah. I, and it, no referral, nothing. So I ended up finding him, you know, having that taken care of, but yeah. Yeah. Referrals are so important. And I really appreciate people that say, you know what? That's not my expertise. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? I read... think it takes a lot of professionalism and self knowledge and uh, putting your ego aside to be able to say that. It does. Yeah, it really does. Have you read the book "The Myth of Normal" by Gabor Mate? No, but now I'm writing it down. I think I've heard of it. Oh my gosh, it speaks a lot of how the illnesses and the problems that people are experiencing today lie in our traumas, our stress, our past, our childhood. He's speaking. And I'm thinking I'm going to make my doctor read this. I won't have to make her. She'll do it. But it is I, amazing. Yes. I am into all of that. <clears throat> um, both from like a spiritual perspective and from, uh, uh, a therapist perspective because there's like research yeah. that supports all of that um, and there's more and more and more of that research that's mm -hmm. being supported even though some of it is young but I read um, a book called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wallen and mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with this book and have taken his training but it is about inherited family trauma inherited because trauma changes a person's DNA, like turning light switches on and yes. off. And then, uh, and that's probably similar to what the myth of normal author is speaking about. And then th when that DNA gets turned on or off or whatever, that can get inherited by the children that you make. Mm -hmm. And then those DNA stay turned on or off, but they can be like PTSD or medical symptoms that that person never experienced the stuff that caused it so now they're running around with criteria that diagnose them with the mental health condition that they don't know the effing story because they didn't live it right exactly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and, you and know, it's I like oh my gosh this is life-changing everyone everyone go google epigenetics because that's what it's called yes. it's i know a lot about it in terms of psychology and everything human development because that's my specialty but there is a lot of information out there on it in terms of nutrition and um, people's health and weight and body. Um, and so, but I don't know as much about that, right. but there's a ton of information out there on it, Oh my but God. it's um, it, in its infancy. And so not everyone knows it exists. Right. A lot of it's pre-verbal. You yes. don't know these things are happening. And so a lot of doctors are like, how could you be affected by something that you didn't even know was happening before you could even speak? Because we don't form well, memories until such and such age. Bullshit. 
right. There's a whole, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a whole form of memory that does happen between like conception or Mm -hmm. birth, whatever marker you want to use. And when memories start to be formed, which is somewhere between two and five, and it's actually more precise than that, but I can't remember right now because I haven't looked at the information lately. And it's called, I believe, implicit memory. And your nervous system remembers. There's a place in your brain, your middle brain, that remembers. I think it's the amygdala. I might be wrong. I'm not a super brain person. But um, I think Bessel van der Kolk speaks of that a lot. Yes. And that stuff stays in you, even though you don't have like a memory recall with all of the senses, but your nervous system remembers it. And so it reacts to it as if you have a memory. It's legit and real. Right. It is. And I mean, so many are, I'm glad that it's becoming more mainstream. I have had, I don't know whatever, what else to say other than I just maladies my entire life. And the more I delved into a world where trauma continued, the more problems I would have. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you were just being activated left and right. Your what? nervous system was always being activated. Yeah. Continually. Yeah. From current things. And then those current things were activating old things, but they were probably activating multiple old things. Uh-huh. So it's like multiple trauma responses all at the same time, continuously right. happening together. Yay. Yeah, yeah I know. It's Sarcasm, like, obviously. So freaking great. I know. There was one line in his book that I loved and it, and it was something along the lines of trauma is not the incident that happened trauma is what happens to you when the incident happened Mm -hmm. and that stays with you and so many people are like just get over it already really you know the best way to get over something is for the people around you and this is usually the adults in your life when you're a kid the best way to get over something is for those people who are supposed to be caring for you to be loving and caring to you before, during, and after the incident occurred. Exactly. But oftentimes, if you're experiencing it in childhood, those are the people that are inflicting it. Those are the people that are making you be silent about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes one person is perpetuating the harm, but the other person is perpetuating the idea that you have to be silent and never speak up and keep the family secret. And so in fact, both people are perpetuating violence in different ways. Right. And so people who overcome adulthood trauma quicker have those experiences of when something tough happens to them in childhood, they were loved, cared for, seen, heard before, during, and after a traumatic incident. Mm -hmm. And then they have an easier time in adulthood because their body and nervous system know how to process it. Right. Yeah. What's interesting is when I look at both sides of my family, there's a lot of the same things happening. There's a lot of alcoholism. There was a lot of drug addiction. There was a lot of, a lot of the same things. One side of my family was very open about it and very helpful to my cousins that had were afflicted with these things. The other side of my family was, Oh, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just going to be our secret. Don't tell your dad. 
and it, it just perpetuates it just goes further and further mm -hmm. and further and further down the line and i've watched that happen and it's yeah you know i'm i know i it happened with me and my kids i didn't even know i had trauma until i broke and and then even after that it was prop that was 2008 and it was probably a good eight years before i really delved into my childhood mm -hmm. and what had gone on and memories and boxes started opening but i want to yeah. get back to the divine feminine because I okay so I, ha I have a quick question for you and then yeah. we'll go back to the divine feminine yeah. um do you know what the aces study is aces what you're a nine I'm yeah a nine. does your audience know what the ac study is no why don't you fill them in Yes, because it would be good. So everybody, you can Google this real easily to find out what your score is and what the history of this um, quick quiz is, because um, it's actually a really fascinating accident that I would like to believe had divine intervention. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, you can take this quiz that asks a series of 10 very simple questions mm -hmm. And it's an indication of how much trauma you have before you were 18. And you get one point for each one that you answer yes to. And the more you answer yes to, the more trauma you have. And each question is, did this ever happen? It's not how many times it's happened or whatever. And oftentimes people don't realize that some of the things in this list of questions are even traumatic. And so when I was a therapist and when I was, you know, well, okay, social worker, then therapist, then life coach. Um, I would I would use this quiz and people would be like, I didn't even realize that was trauma. And then I would have sub have to support them in realizing that was trauma. And so, you know, if you take the quiz, just maybe have some support around you, but mm -hmm. it could also be really enlightening. Um, I found it to be profound for people. There was one question that I would have, I scored myself as an eight and then going through and speaking to my therapist about it, it came to the question about having a parent incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Well, I did not have a parent incarcerated, but I had a parent who was physically unavailable and was gone for long amounts of time mm -hmm. because of his mm -hmm. job. And so they have convinced, they, they upped my score one because of my dad's job. It wasn't something that, um, so it was maybe a, I should be eight and a half, but it's like a soft nine. Right. So like some of the things that would be considered traumatic about having a parent incarcerated aren't there, but then some of them are. Right. Yeah. So you got part of it, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good awareness. And people could do that with every single question. Well, I have part of this, but not all of it. So that's an awareness for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I have, like I said before, I have actually two cousins that are battling the same thing right now, both on separate sides of the family. And one of them asked me the other day if I knew anything about their childhood. Of course I did. Well, what do you know? And, and there were several specific incidents that I remembered and so I let this cousin know and then I felt horrible here I am like 
family secrets are so damn strong. Yeah. After I told him, I'm thinking, was I wrong in telling him that? He asked the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or did I make it worse? I'm going to be the conditioned by his parents, but that's okay. Um, the conditioning to keep everything quiet is so deep because there's this belief that if we keep it quiet, then it didn't happen and there's no impact of it. But that's all bullshit because our body remembers everything that ever happened to us. Mm -hmm. Our body remembers what the house felt like, even if things were happening in other rooms. Smell. We know that we know what things feel like, the vibe, especially mm -hmm. if someone is an empath, they experience things more intensely, mm -hmm. um, sensations. And so you could experience these sensations in your body and not know why they're there and think you're crazy, you know, but then someone tells you a story about your life and it feels true in your body. And suddenly you're calm now because there's a story that goes with the feelings that you're having. And maybe you oh. thought you were inventing them, but now, you know, you're not full of shit. Yeah. And I think one thing that started it off is this cousin was saying, I'm just a fuck up. I'm a nothing. I'm stupid. I'm retarded. And he just kept going on with this list of what a mistake he was in the universe. And it broke my heart because I've mm. been there and I was old enough to see a lot of things happen. And there were a lot of unknowns, but it's like I wanted to be reassuring. And then afterwards, this that family secret bear trap just sprung around me again. That's the best description I have ever heard of family secrets ever. I love it. Family secret bear trap. <laughs> yeah. There's so much guilt and shame that comes with breaking it. It's like you violated your family. Right. Yeah. When in fact, I was trying to say, hey, you have a reason to feel this way. You were made to feel that way the entire time I saw you growing up. Yeah. Someone put this on you. It's not actually an, something that originated from within you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's not from you. It's not originating from you. It came from somewhere else. It came from their problems and their inability right. to see the beauty of who you are. Right. They had their own. It's like, I like to say that people have their own light blocked, usually due to their own trauma. Mm -hmm. And so until someone like susses it all out and figures out how to love other people in their family, um, then the next generation can keep experiencing that difficulty. Right. Because if we don't know what the heck's going on, we can't fix it while we're raising our kids. Right. And so it really sucks to be aware of this at 61 years old. And I've got all these kids I've raised that I'm thinking, oh, crap. And all I can do is hope and pray that they can get it figured out on their own. Two of them have. Two of them are doing so, so well. That's it's wonderful. unbelievable. And these are two of my kids that we adopted. One of them was six. And she's really dealt well with her stuff. And my other mm -hmm. son was a newborn. Mm -hmm. And he never really felt that there was anything missing in his life. And I don't think... We, we had the chance to meet his bio, four of his five biological sisters, half-sisters, and the mother of three of them. 
and what I saw change in him was he just felt more grounded. He -hmm. said, there are people that look like me, just exactly like me, mom. (laughs) He said, but you're still my mom. And that I think as an adoptive parent is really scary that you're going to lose your child in a, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. But for him to say that yeah. and just say that he was just, he just felt more, more grounded. It, he, his family was just enlarged. Yes. And there's, there's things that adopted children need to know, mm-hmm. you know, that only birth families, genetic families can clarify for them. Right. And just seeing that there were people that looked like him gave him a lot of peace. It sounds like. It really did, and it all started by accident. Well, not really accident. He came down one night. We were eating dinner, and, and he's, he was 27. He said, Mom, I'm having these symptoms, and I'm trying to keep my calm mom face on while my inner mom is screaming because I knew they were symptoms of colon cancer. Hmm. And at that moment, I knew I had to find his birth father. And a quick Google search led me to his birth father's obituary. Oh, gosh. And his widow's name was listed. So I made that very, I made a decision right then because of the life of my son to make a very awkward Facebook message to her. Mm -hmm. I made sure his picture was out front. And I mean, how do you say, I'm raising a son you may not know your husband had, but I really need medical information. Mm -hmm. And it turns out his birth father went in for his first colonoscopy at the age of 50 and there was, he already had cancer, uh, colon cancer that could not be removed. Oh my gosh. And Michael was just 27. So now we have his widow and I have such an incredible relationship mm. and he has a great relationship with his sisters. And it, it's how tragedy, sometimes tragedies, out of tragedies can come the most incredible things if you are willing to take that step into the unknown and into the fearful and just let it happen. If that made sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of amazing things can happen if you're just, this feels right. I'm also scared of it. Mm-hmm. I want to try it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's real specific reasons for you, but even in other situations, um, just that bravery of like, I want to try something new or I need to, I need to find out this information. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good that can come from the other side, even if you fall flat on your face. Right. And it doesn't like quote unquote work out the way you thought. I do stuff where I fall flat on my face. Like every week, I feel like I'm always learning. We're toddlers forever. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Weird. That's a great way to put it. And you know, it's, I saw this the other day. Someone was was talking about trauma and they compared it to baby steps. And they were speaking of how baby steps are not little tiny steps. They are brave, they are forceful, and they are curious and they are pushing and persevering persevering, sorry. You got it. They're very giant steps. They're not these little bitty teeny things that society thinks that they are. Because toddlers, I mean, you have to be brave or you're not going to walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of 
tiny steps that I've taken that felt like I was jumping across the chasm. Yes. Um, and now, in retrospect, when I look back, they don't seem as big to me, mm-hmm. but that's because of all of the good things that have come and all the growth that has come since doing them, that now taking that step would be like a natural routine for me. Right. But at the time, even though it wasn't a big thing to do, like if you're just looking at me, it felt huge inside. Right. But that's because we're breaking out of our own... Um, I don't, I don't want to use the word cage, but that's the one that's coming to mind. But we're like breaking out of our own patterns and our right. own thought patterns and our own like r- repeated behavior anyway. Yeah. The box that we've been put in or we've put ourselves into. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of another line from that book, The Myth of Normal. Gabor Monte says that trauma is like a scar that you have to break through. And that just, maybe because it's just mm. fresh on my mind that I keep, rem- I mean, people will say things. It's like, oh my gosh, that's in that book. But you're right. I yeah. Mean, it's like I mean, box, and I don't want to, there's the intersection books. of like a book that really, really speaks to you. And then, you know, other life experiences It just, yeah, it just sticks. Yeah. Yes. You know, I wrote down this book that you were speaking of. It doesn't start with me. And I, as I was writing it, I stopped and thought, I think I've got that in my library. It's actually called It Didn't Start With You. Just a little bit different than that. Oh, that's Um, right. That's what I have written down. It didn't start with you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got an orange spine. So you can quickly find it on your bookshelf. Well, most of mine are audio because my attention span is that of an app. Oh, (laughs) okay. I like, I like books you can hold. Hence, I do my little bookshelf back here. Yeah, that's a great, great thing. I I like to do both. I'll listen because if I just read, I can't remember what I just read. But if oh, I oh, okay, you have to, to it, hear it. Yeah, and if I'm listening to it and reading it, and I can mark as I go, that's the best way for me to retain it. So I have just ordered the. Actually, it, it got um. Gabor Mate's book, the hard copy just got here. So I'm going to order the nice. other one too. So it's good that you know your learning style so that you can give it to yourself. Not yeah. everyone knows their learning style. Yeah. Well, mine has gotten worse through the years. Trauma. Oh, okay. It's weird. Um, trauma. I don't know if it's trauma or if it's aphasia <laughs> or something. I don't know. But trauma um, does affect our ability to like process information and mm-hmm. it affects our fuzziness and concentration. And I think I just said the same thing twice, but that's okay. Yeah, it affects things. It does. I've, I've noticed I, I have something that's, if it's not dyslexia, it's pretty damn close. Especially okay. when I'm typing or I'm writing. It's like, Terry, wait, that's not the way that's spelled. Yeah. But. And then it's hard to get the letters in place. Got it. So it's weird. Hmm. I need to just check in a John Hopkins and, and have like a clear glass room where they can study me with microscopes. Um, That sounds pretty dramatic. I think there's probably some other interventions <laughs> that could happen first. <laughs> well, for but the I suspect that you're dramatic. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, Greece was great. Greece was very therapeutic for my birthday. It was very serene and it just affected my life. I was gone for 10 days in ways I could have never thought it would have affected me. Wow. Yeah. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. And the things that the, the staff did for my birthday, which have sucked, one of them arranged a surprise fireworks display. What? Yes. We're sitting, you know, at the caldera in Santorini and all of a sudden fireworks start going off and I've got this video uh, or recorded and I'm trying to get a video up of this and it's just, they were stunning. The most beautiful, you couldn't see fireworks like this in America. They were just absolutely stunning. And I could hear my, my girlfriend said something to the waiter and he said, no, we did it for her birthday. We want to give her smile back. Oh my gosh. So now my heart is in Greece. Yeah. I'm going to learn That's Greek. That's amazing. I've started learning Greek and I'm looking for property. Whether or not that comes to fruition, we'll we'll see. That's exciting. But it, just I following just, your heart like that. You know something else? I had read that as you age, the one of the reasons that time seems to go more quickly is that you're stuck doing the same thing all the time. Oh, that's an interesting theory I've not heard before. I thought that was really interesting because it's like, oh my gosh, where did this year go? But since I got back from Greece, time seems to have reversed. It's slowing down. I don't know if it was the lifestyle, if it was the break in what I was doing, if it was going with my girlfriend alone and braving Europe, which neither of us, you know, had done. And it was, oh, I, or the people, or if it was, you know, just the whole combination of everything or doing something for myself on my birthday. Yeah. And celebrating me. I mean, it sounds like it could have be all of that together. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a big old pot of stew. <sighs> and that just, um, it makes me think of this other thing I like to point out. And just share with people is that like when you're in a change process or you're desiring something, just keep doing the new thing that you're thinking of or the new thing that grabs your attention. And eventually the transition will happen because you'll have added enough things to the pot of stew. Yours was really sudden because you went like on this vacation right. um, and you could like see the difference. But if we just keep adding to make our life the way that we want it. And of course that means subtracting as well. What's not true anymore for us. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this all started on my 60th birthday and I thought I'm done with this. I know it sounds really stupid and it's the five-year-old kid in me, but I'm done with a, just a card. I'm done with it. Just a card and then go mow the grass and you know, whatever. So I'm going to celebrate myself each year. So from now Do on, it. I'm doing solo birthdays abroad. Yeah. I'm starting to do more and more solo travel. I went to Washington, D.C., Leavenworth Christmas Village, which is so awesome. I've got oh, I bet that was great. scheduled for this year. And I'm already planning my birthday next year. So, Oh, look at you. Yeah, I'm Ms. Globetrotter. Well, I can't really say I that like it. yet. <laughs> You will be. I will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I'm going to have to take that divine radiance with me. Explain yes. a little more about that because it's just, it just sounds so beautiful. Yes. So the divine feminine is, okay, so I have to always say it in comparison to divine masculine. Divine masculine, that energy is about not, it, not just people, but also things and the way things are. Both of them are not just people oriented. They're about like everything on earth. So the masculine is very linear. It's very goal oriented. It, it, it pushes through. Um, it likes living on the edge. It likes um, seeing how far it can go. It likes danger. Um, the feminine is not interested in going in a straight line. The feminine is going to go in a spiral. She's going to go in a circle. She's interested in a lot of feeling things. Mm -hmm. um, there can also be this uh, increased connection with the divine. Not that the divine masculine doesn't have a connection, but they're just different from each other. And so the divine feminine can connect into the divine and maybe get like uh, this masterful idea, just like kind of in this big chunk and have been playing all day and then get this great idea and then go implement it. Um, but she gets the great idea because she was having such a good time. She was doing things that fill her up. The feminine wants to be filled. Yes. The masculine wants to be emptied. So yes. if you think about design, the masculine, more, the more masculine designs are like minimalist mm -hmm. and the feminine designs tend to be more full of objects. They're tends to be more layers of things in a feminine designed room. And I'm looking around my studio. I know my room is like, I want layers. I want all the things, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, you know, I'm if you look in maybe a desk drawer of a masculine person, it's probably there's nothing in there or three things in there. And it's very organized. I want and then if you look, drawer. what? I like junk drawers. Oh my gosh. You should see, you should see the drunk drawer in my kitchen. And then if you open a feminine drawer, there's like a bunch of stuff in there and it might not even be organized. It's just looking like um, it can look like chaos. It can be organized, but um, it's just, there's a bunch of stuff in there because of that desire to be full. And then other differences are the feminine needs to be cherished. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's the ultimate need of the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And then the masculine needs to be respected. Mm-hmm. And if a child is not given what they need, um, if that's, if, if a small child is not cherished, but they need to be cherished, then they can go searching for being cherished in all these really destructive ways. Um, one of them is codependency. So I know about all of that because I was codependent. That's why I became a codependency coach once I worked through that. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Another aspect of not being cherished is um, maybe having eating problems, eating too much, eating too little, um, eating for the desire to be full spiritually or emotionally. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with, you know, I'm hungry right now. There's all of that concept. And I wouldn't say that I'm a specialist in that at all, um, but it's there. And so there's so many things and behaviors that when you're not cherished and you're trying to get cherished, you can engage in intention seeking behavior. And all of that stuff that I just listed is actually the wounded feminine. 
but there's also the wounded masculine where if you're not respected, you can start projecting a lot of anger and blaming other people when things don't go right. The divine masculine, if they mess up, they just say they messed up and they own it. The wounded masculine is going to point it at everybody else. Right. And so these two energies have very, very different ways of existing in the world. But in one moment, you can be in your divine masculine. And then the next moment, you could switch into wounded masculine and then be in your divine feminine and then be in your wounded feminine. So you can switch it through throughout them throughout. Wow. You can switch through all of them throughout the day. There's a lot of throughs in that, mm -hmm. but there's kind of one that is maybe more prominent in your life. And, um, there needs to be healing done if it's the wounded ones right. to bring you back to your core essence. And so part of that means figuring out your core essence. And if you're putting on one of the other ones as a mask, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, masks in psychology are all like figuring out, is this really me? And that can be a lot of layers. Right. And there's usually a lot of trauma involved if you're in one of the wounded ones mm -hmm. for wounded masculine or wounded feminine. Um, right. The feminine can just kind of get caught up in her own mind and be spinning mm -hmm. um, between choices and not really knowing what to do. But the the grounding energy of the masculine, the divine masculine can help ground the feminine and give her like an orientation space and like, okay, what do you actually want? Not that the divine masculine tells the feminine what she wants. He grounds her enough and makes her feel safe enough because the masculine also helps the feminine feel safe and protected. Um, and then he helps her figure out what she wants when she's centered and then she can choose it. But then if she can't figure out what she wants after all of that, then she can say, I would like your advice. Right. And then he can give it. But the masculine isn't supposed to just be like shoving it, you know, onto her. Like, this is what I think you want, blah, blah, blah. She has to be listened to first. She has to express all of her feelings and then she can figure out what she wants. And, that so, and that's happen often. I mean, you have to be with a, a person who's in their divine masculine to experience that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that requires being with someone who's done their own personal work. And right. someone can be in their divine masculine or their divine feminine and never have heard of these things um, or have different ways of describing them um, and be in that essence and not know that there's a description of it. But it does mean they have to have done their work. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, once so that's like a scattershot snapshot of what the kind of whole masculine feminine system is. It makes sense because I, I see it. I feel it. I live it. Yeah. And this may be a weird comparison, but as you were speaking of it in the beginning, I'm thinking my mind went to architects that we work with. Mm. The male architects are very minimalist, very edgy in a, not, I don't know edgy may be the wrong word, but um, more minimalist, contemporary. The female architects are much more cozy. Mm -hmm. Not really always traditional, but there's just such a different feel and the vibe of the building that they're designing. Mm -hmm. 
So it was, it was my mind just, since that's what we do, I mean, that just went to architects that I know. And every, I can say without doubt, without a doubt, each of the male and female architects fit in those categories you just described. I love that that's where you gravitated to and were able to see that. Um, just an example in your everyday life because that just confirms that like oh this makes sense and it, it makes sense in so many people's lives when they hear about it but it's just a lens that we don't know exists but more and more people are talking about divine masculine and divine feminine and I think it's really helpful to see how much of a masculine world we live in mm -hmm. not patriarchy masculine right. or men like cisgender men being in charge while all of that is true i'm not discounting that i'm saying the energy of masculine mm -hmm. and some of it is wounded masculine yeah. not divine masculine i actually think that most of the parts of the patriarchy that people hate are actually wounded masculine and when you've been raised in a world that's led by the wounded masculine it's really hard to trust divine masculine because how in the world could it be different? It's still masculine. Right. So there can be this distrust of um, that other version of masculine because there's the suspicion of it. So you may have answered this and I just was like spacing, but no, that's okay. Wounded masculine is, do you see black and white thinking? Is that, would that be sort um, or is that? That could be there, but I'm going to be transparent and let everyone know that I know the least about the wounded masculine of all of the four things that I just mentioned. Right. I know less about the masculine side because it's not what I'm teaching. Right. So I'm going to say like, that makes sense to me. It could be there, but look at other resources too. Because mm -hmm. you could just Google or hashtag divine masculine and find teachers on it oh, okay. or divine feminine and find teachers on it because there's other people out there who are talking about this too wow i mean i feel like i've been in a cave because i've not heard the term until speaking with you and watching your posts well um somebody that i originally excuse me learned about it from um, is some, someone that I coached with them. Like I was their client and his name is Ryan Yakomi and his wife's name is Chris Britton. And they have a big old business together where they teach about divine masculine and feminine. And so if you want to know more about divine masculine, you can go to Ryan Yakomi. He's got, I don't know all he's got Instagram and websites and things, um, to find out more, last name. but there's also other people out there who teach it. You, you know, you just have to find the right pocket and right. then suddenly it's like, whoosh, it's all there. Right. How do you spell Ryan's last name? Y-O-K-O-M-E. Okay. And I don't remember if when they got married, if Chris took his last name or not. That's irrelevant. It's just my own inner thought being shared right. with the world. I'll find it. <laughs> I'll link him in the show notes. Yeah. You know, and this, I think, do you ever have anyone with the misconception when you speak of this thinking, oh, you're getting real new agey with me? Because to me, it just sounds, it's like a name that more adequately describes 
life and the way we deal with it instead of new age mystical sitting on a rock and zen. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, to be totally transparent, I would consider myself a person that would be called new aged because I am mystical. And so a lot of the people that I speak to are that or are interested in that. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that divine masculine and feminine can be spoken about in a way that people who aren't into anything woo woo or spiritual can also understand it because it can be described as a concept and then people do get it. Right. So I don't get what you're talking about a lot. I don't receive that from people because my audience is mostly people who are mystics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering from the other side, I mean, just if it, if it would, because to me, the way you explain it, it is life. Yes. It's just life. It's not, it's not carrying around a bag of crystals and howling at the moon. It's, no, you don't need to be doing any of that. think that when you start getting, you know, terminology that they're not familiar with. Yes. And they totally dismiss it when it is actually life. Yes. Wow. So just one example of um, some information that's more scientifically based that I feel like lines up mm-hmm. with what I'm talking about. So... If you look at the male hormones in the male body, people that are gendered male at birth based on their genitalia, um, there's other markers for gender, but that's the one I'm talking about right now. Um, There is steady hormones that happen every single day. And so every day in the hormonal body of a gendered male tends to be the same. The female body has hormones that change several times throughout the month. Different hormones are dominant literally every single few days. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually um, a female that was assigned female at birth because of their genitalia. Um, There tends to be four different phases of what the hormones are like. And there's um, like maybe five hormones off the top of my head. And I'm not a scientist. Right. There's at least five hormones that are happening. And so that means that she's four different women, in all honesty. I'm in the third phase of my menstrual cycle. Like there's four phases. I'm in number three right now. And a few days ago, I started being more emotional about things. Yesterday morning, I like was super sad and cried before I went to church. I woke up that way. Nothing happened. Right. Nothing happened. I just woke up and was like, right. right. And then I did that again in the afternoon, had a big old cry. Did anything happen in my life? No. And that was a total change from a few days before where everything's cool. Right. It's not like stuff hasn't happened, but like right. nothing specifically happened. And I know that when you get into phase three, which is the lutal phase, which is the week before your period, There are hormonal changes that are happening that make it so that we're more aware of everything in our life that is irritating us. They've actually connected it to the hormones that are happening in the female body. It is not just like some made up like, oh, she's being dramatic right now because she's about to have her period. Okay, so yeah, she's about to have her period, but she's being quote unquote dramatic or whatever words bros are using Because her hormones are changing and she's noticing how you're being a dick right now. And she's not ignoring it anymore. 
So okay. she's calling you out on your shit. But she's calling you out on your shit because she literally can't stand it. But the rest of the month, the hormones are different. And so she tolerates it better. It's just right now you're actually intolerable and she's telling you. Right. You're actually intolerable all the time when you do this. Right. And so that's just one change in one of the phases of how women are different every single day of their month. And then they cycle through it like multiple times in their life, obviously. Right. And so if the divine feminine is about kind of being in spirals and following your feelings. And then there's so much of the hormonal changes that are about experience that align with experiencing so many feelings. It's like interesting to look at it through that biological lens. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's people out there who talk about this, who know more about the science than I do. Um, I can't remember their names right now, but if you want me to give you them later so that you can put them in the show notes, sure. that might be helpful for people. Sure. Yeah. Wow. And that's so, just like the tip of the iceberg about scientific things related to female hormones that you could link to divine feminine. Right. Right. That's it's so interesting. It's I so think interesting it is. Because. Big, long pregnant pause here, but. I know I'm writing a note down and you're like contemplating. I know I'm trying to think of how to say this, but one I don't know how to say this and not be offend anyone. Oh, who cares? I'll just say it. A lot of times men will revert to, oh, she, that's just because you're, you're being hormonal. That's not real. It's just hormonal. And I have just wanted actually to throat punch people when they say that because no you're really feeling these things and like you said they've been stuffed for how long however long and you're like finally something pushes it out of you mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of um silence that comes when you're like trying to figure out how to well, okay, this is maybe a personal experience. I like to speak things clearly and kindly mm -hmm. um, as someone with my background and training, even in my personal life. And I'm just a person who doesn't like to say whatever the F comes out of my mouth in a rude way. Right. Um, and so I try to be cautious. And sometimes that's hard when you're so upset about something, you know? Right. Um, and so other people like me maybe are holding it for a while, not knowing exactly how to tackle it. But even if you're a person who just shoots their mouth off, there can also be a lot of holding that happens with not speaking what you want to say just because of like culture and society and you don't know how to do it. And there's not a lot of communication training in our world. Like you basically have to learn good communication skills from your family. And a lot of families don't have them. Right. And I can imagine a lot of shame would come with, speaking what you're feeling too if that's yes comes through i your mean intergenerational family stuff stuff i shame is a huge contributor to not speaking up because gosh shame is the thing that we would all like to avoid right exactly we don't even necessarily recognize when we're experiencing shame because there's so many other emotions that come with it mm-hmm um, and then little protectors pop up, little pieces inside of us that have developed to like help us deflect, avoid, and 
little pieces of our personality to like protect ourselves from experiencing hardship Mm -hmm. um all of those pop up and so then we don't necessarily realize that it's even shame that's happening right yeah right and it controls so many lives yeah i was speaking but to go back to what your original point was about like uh people who are saying to women well what you're expressing right now because you're about to be on your period or you're on your period um should be dismissed because you're hormonal Mm -hmm. it's like oh this can't possibly be true you must be making it up right now so it's like how do you know i'm not feeling this way all of the time that this dismissiveness the dismissiveness of it is um well it makes you feel irate it does you know yeah it 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 feels gaslit yeah i think that's a great way to put it um and some some people don't understand or respect that that is a you know like why can't we listen to people all the time regardless of when they are in their cycle mm-hmm. they don't understand how to do that right or maybe it's just a story they tell themselves so that they can ignore what's being said to them i don't know mm-hmm. wow i've never had a conversation with someone about that specific thing who is saying that but like hey why do you believe that because i generally don't have males like that in my life think it's they've just been taught maybe yeah societal oh your mom's crazy because whatever yeah have you ever heard of the instagram um account called roe versus bros no it's hilarious it's like a late you know how late night shows would go out on the streets with the microphone and ask people questions yeah and then they only show the ones where the people don't know the answers Mm mm-hmm so it's like that, except it's just this Instagram um, account, but it's all about asking men, bros. They're definitely bros that they're asking. It's not all men. Right. <laughs> they definitely look like bros um, about female bodies. Uh-huh. And they never know the answers. Of course, they're only going to show the ones where they don't know the answers, but it's right. really funny and horrifying. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Because you're like, how many ovaries does a woman have in their entire lifetime? And they don't know that women have two ovaries. Right. They don't know. They're like, how many eggs is, does a woman have in her life? And they're like, I don't know, 10. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I read something really interesting the other day that just hit me is that since women are born with the number of eggs that they're ever going to have, Yes. Your grandmother actually carried you when she was pregnant I know. with your mother. That is mind-blowing. Isn't it's like, mind whoa! It was a mind-blow, and it was, like, so comforting to me because my grandmother was my protector and my inspiration oh. and everything in my life. And th- when I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. You were like, I was in my grandma too. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what else that means? And this blew me away when I thought about it, I think a couple months ago. And I don't know why I hadn't realized this before. That means I was in my grandmother's womb with my sister. Oh, wow. Yes. So my mother and my sister and I were all in my grandmother's womb together. Wow. I know. And you know, I wonder trauma my grandmother went through 
Keep going. You're getting there. Yeah. The, you know, it all adds to this intergenerational trauma because the trauma my grandmother yes. went through added to my mother and it had to have added to me and my brothers. Yes. Okay. So the chemicals that are in our bodies, like the hormones that are in our bodies, one of them is cortisol. Do you know about cortisol? Yeah. Oh, too much. Okay. Okay. So if your grandmother experienced a stressful experience during the pregnancy with your mother, that means that her body is going to have increased cortisol mm -hmm. and too much cortisol for the baby or any human, but especially for a growing fetus, not good. And so that's getting put in the eggs as well. Wow. I know. And so there's all sorts of hormonal baths kind of, and this is a part that I don't understand as thoroughly, so I can't give as many examples about it, but this is actually in the book that I recommended. Um, it didn't start with you. So he talks okay. about it better. But there's all these hormonal baths that kind of happen. Um, and are they positive hormones? Are they stress hormones? Are they, um, I guess I'm just breaking it down into good and bad right now because I don't know any other way to say it because mm -hmm. I'm not skilled enough in it. But I think it's fascinating to contemplate that the life experiences of your grandmother that happened however many years ago are somehow shaping your eggs. Still living and breathing today. Yes. And that the in utero experiences matter because they change the chemical structures or the chemicals that are affecting the fetus and therefore the eggs and the reproductive organs inside the baby. For both genders because i'm just gonna ask is it can you probably i don't know if you can answer this or not but i mean it's theoretically it the same thing would happen with sperm so because sperm is created more has a quicker life cycle and mm -hmm. is created all of the time so the sperm yeah. that became you was created you know, well, your dad was an adult and right. not inside his okay. mother. Yeah, right. But that doesn't mean that the experiences that he had inside the womb of his mother, he still had chemical bath, chemical hormonal baths, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term. There's probably other sciencey terms for it, but he still experienced that. And I'm sure that it still influenced his epigenetics. Mm -hmm. And there may be some stuff that happens to like, how sperm is formed or whatever but that that's a big fat question mark i don't know actually know the answer to that mm -hmm. but he still was affected by his experience in utero in utero and that affected who he became right i know one of the in addition of course to his life but we're talking about while he was in a womb exactly i one of my sons i had interesting conversations with doctors and he's 38 now when he was little and all this stuff was going on and one of the questions was did either of you do a lot of acid yeah it wasn't me but his birth dad did a lot of acid yeah and the theory back then was it and could be I don't know because I don't read up on that could be very well known right now by everyone, but me that, that 
changed, genetically changed his sperm that was passed on then to my son that is now suffering the effects sort of like my daughter does with fetal alcohol, my adopted daughter with fetal alcohol effects. Yeah. So if a person is living a certain lifestyle, whether or not that includes substances, um, what they're, what, what the men are doing will affect their sperm that they're making. Mm -hmm. It will. This is just like, you know, things that, this is such a powerful episode because there are things, you know, you think about here and there, but now it's all packaged into one episode and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to watch this like several times to, to take this all in. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of information out there and I like to really go deep into things. Like when someone works with me, I like to go really deep into it. Mm -hmm. And just over my life, I've just gathered these areas that intersect and overlap in interesting ways. I, I call them like, it's like I have four deep wells and I like talking about all of them. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I've got general mental health. I've got codependency. I've got spirituality stuff that I like talking a lot about and divine masculine, divine feminine stuff. Mm -hmm. And they all, to me, they all go together. Well, it, it, it kind of reminds me of something my son says all the time. He said, there are no coincidences. Um, only mysteries of God or God's way of remaining anonymous or I, I don't know something, but the way he says it, it kind of reminds me of that, that there are no coincidences. Everything is interrelated mm -hmm. in one way or yeah. another. Yeah. And what's scary is we don't know this stuff when we're having babies. No, I mean, and in all honesty, the people who have a lot more trauma, like there's just less chance to get that healing started because sometimes there's less resources available if there's been a lot of trauma experiences because you're maybe around a lot of people who also experience trauma. Mm -hmm. And so there's less likely to get resources. And then everyone starts having kids maybe before they're, they've done the healing. Mm -hmm. And so it gets passed on, you know, epigenetically. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, of course there's other ways to pass it on in terms of how you're parenting. And yeah. how you're actually raising the child. And then but... if you've got things locked away in boxes until you are physically able to open them. Yeah. You can't really change a lot. Yeah. The good thing now is that everyone has access to more information. Yes. Because internet and smartphones. Right. And the next generation that's coming up and the generation that's, you know, young adults right now. They have access to so much information about mental health mm -hmm. that no one else has ever had before. And they can learn a lot just by looking for it on the internet. Exactly. There's so much out there. All these podcasts. People yeah. can do a lot of healing work for free, even if they can't get themselves into therapy or aren't ready for it yet. But they have to be very diligent about the sources that they're trusting. I would agree with you. Yeah. You know what really scared me in this sort of touches on it and sort of doesn't but i watched an advertisement last night for apple's new virtual reality oh I don't yeah know what they call them i don't remember either and they're so isolated it it was really scary be, but it was intriguing and i'm you know the techie part of me saying oh man i want to spend thirty five hundred dollars and i want a pair of those and then the other part of me since all of this has gone on is saying well look how 
you're isolating yourself from everyone else. You've got these glasses on and you're immersed in your own universe. I don't know where I was going, but they're, they're really cool, but they're really scary. Like just the concept of increased separation between humans. Right. We have enough yeah. divis divisive. Were they? Now. So I haven't really paid attention to them. Are they marketing them as like a way of life or is they marketing them as a game? Well, the way that it, it was like a way, way of life. One of the things okay. that they were talking about is, okay, you're sitting there. They show this woman, she has them on and her friend comes in and they're saying, well, you still can be connected. And she's having a, a conversation with her friend about sushi. But when she turns, but she still has these goggles on. And then when she turns around, the apps are activated by your eyes and then you do whatever in the air. And they're talking about, this is what really got me. You can video, it has a camera and you can video in high definition things that are happening in moments and you can take pictures. And then they're saying you can relive these moments because it's such a surrounding environment that you're in. It's like you're actually back in that moment. Now, part wow. of me is very intrigued with that. And part of that, part of that scares the holy hell out of me. I mean, yeah. There's just a lot of increased disconnection and people not knowing how to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, not remembering how to, but we are wired for connection. Yeah. We are wired to need connection. It's a biological imperative that we are in community. Mm -hmm. We have to have it for our brains to grow appropriately in terms of legitimate human development. Right. You know, exactly. It doesn't go away just because we're an adult now. We still require it. Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. My gosh, Vanessa. Well, I got an hour and 15 minutes. We should probably wrap up. It's like, we need to do this once a month or something. <laughs> like, so, information, so much information. And I loved speaking with you because and when I was on your podcast, I mean, even then, I, well, I go down wormholes all the time, but the, our conversations just seem to evolve. Yeah very organically very naturally from and it all weaves back to the same thing Mm-hmm. everything's connected thank you charlie <laughs> oh my gosh yes the person that introduced <laughs> us that was so so random oh i but know he was like hey i know this lady have you, you ever guys had should him meet on your podcast no i have not had him on my podcast i have a pretty narrow niche on my podcast you do. and you i don't do. think he fits the niche he fits a lot of niches but not mine you know i had asked him to consider being a co-host on a on a different podcast with me because i thought it would be fun to have like a kind of like a the brits say a chat show sort of a like fun hot topic podcast yes and charlie would be the perfect co-host for that he's so cool he is so so cool charlie you need to watch this episode i'm gonna send it i know we're just complimenting you all the time and everyone else is like who's charlie who's charlie charlie's like this really cool drummer and one of the few drummers that you can actually see through the guitar necks they always capture his face when other drummers are just like you have this guitar neck in, in their face and his <laughs> wife is just so sweet she's so wonderful yes she is yeah so she totally is awesome well, well i'll come back whenever you want me to 
Okay, I would love it because there's so many topics I could go into with you. And it would just well, be thank fun. You. Just be fun. Fun. Fun, fun. Okay, so if you, why don't you tell us, do you know your um, Instagram account off? Oh, yes. Okay. I know all my things. Okay. So the name of my business is Soul Amplified. That is the name of my Instagram account. I also have Facebook and LinkedIn, but I'm not there as much. I also have a podcast called the Soul Amplified Podcast. And we now have over 200 episodes on things relating to codependency, psychology, spirituality, and the divine feminine. So if you are interested in any of that, there are many episodes for you. (laughs) And some that I specifically will be searching for. Yes. And then um, in August, I am having a day-long retreat, and it's going to be on the Divine Feminine. And I don't have a lot of details on it yet, but if you follow me or get on my um, newsletter, which you can do through the Instagram link in bio, mm-hmm. I have a newsletter that I send out every Monday and that'll keep you in the loop on what's happening and what I have going on. And then about a week ago from, from when this airs, I will have started a program called the Radiance Recipe Circle. And it's a three month program where we're going to dive into kind of all the divine feminine stuff that I talked about today. Um And so you will have missed the first one, but if you want to join, you can just watch the recording of it and then we'll pick back up and you can be part of everything live. If that interests you. Just like superwoman. I love this. Oh, thanks. And then the radiance recipe is three months long. So it'll go through mid September. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to hook up with this. Oh, I like that. Okay. You know, just on a side note, one of my friends, and I see this with you through this whole episode I just keep it's I don't know what it is but I see it she posted a picture of herself in front of these neon butterfly wings Mm. I'm like keep seeing these butterfly wings she's just absolutely beautiful she's she's that happy little penguin on Instagram I think she only has two photos of, and that's the one that popped up. And I'm like, dang, I keep seeing those with Vanessa. So it's that energy. I, it's that energy. I really love wings. My logo has wings on it. It's a woman with big fairy wings mm-hmm. is the image that goes with my logo um, for Soul Amplified. So wings are one of my things, fairy wings. Well, then that's what it is. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, Vanessa, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Thank you. It's just such an honor to have you on here. It's like I've known you forever. 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 Yes. If I could sing, I would. But we'll have to do this from time to time because it's just, I love it. I love it. I'm down. All right. Me too. Thank you so much. And thank you, Charlie. And um, we'll let you get on with your day. Okay. Have a great one, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Oh, did I tell you or did I tell you? Vanessa is amazing. I will have all of her information linked in the show notes below. You guys check her out. She's got some incredible things happening. You'll be able to see on her Instagram and you can sign up for several things if you'd like. But get to know Vanessa. She is amazing. And whoever thought Radiance Coach 
just that term is so cool. It's so cool. So that's what I have today, guys. Have a freaking rocking week, and I will see you on the next episode of Digging Through Dominoes, which is available on all podcast platforms, on its dedicated YouTube channel, and as a playlist on my main YouTube channel. I'll link everything below. See ya. Bye. Bye.